Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, whom, taught by the Holy Spirit, we dare to call our Father. Bring, we pray, to perfection in our hearts, the spirit of adoption as your sons and daughters, that we may merit to enter into the inheritance which you have promised. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Book of Wisdom. That night had been foretold to our ancestors, so that, once they saw what kind of oaths they had put their trust in, they would joyfully take courage. This was the expectation of your people, the saving of the virtuous and the ruin of their enemies. For by the same act with which you took vengeance on our foes, you made us glorious by calling us to you. The devout children of worthy men offered sacrifice in secret, and this divine pact they struck with one accord, that the saints would share the same blessings and dangers alike. And forthwith they had begun to chant the hymns of the fathers. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Happy the people the Lord has chosen to be his own. Happy the people the Lord has chosen to be his own. Ring out your joy to the Lord, O you just, for praise is fitting for loyal hearts. They are happy, whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own. Happy the people the Lord has chosen to be his own. The Lord looks on those who revere him, on those who hope in his love, to rescue their souls from death, to keep them alive in famine. Happy the people the Lord has chosen to be his own. Our soul is waiting for the Lord. The Lord is our help and our shield. May your love be upon us, O Lord, as we place all our hope in you. Happy the people the Lord has chosen to be his own. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Only faith can guarantee the blessings that we hope for or prove the existence of the realities that at present remain unseen. It was for faith that our ancestors were commended. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed the call to set out for a country that was the inheritance given to him and his descendants, and that he set out without knowing where he was going. By faith he arrived as a foreigner in the promised land and lived there as if in a strange country with Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. They lived there in tents while he looked forward to a city founded, designed and built by God. It was equally by faith that Sarah, in spite of being past the age, was made able to conceive, because she believed that he who had made the promise would be faithful to it. Because of this, there came from one man and one who was already as good as dead himself, more descendants than could be counted, as many as the stars of heaven, or the grains of sand on the seashore. 
All these died in faith before receiving any of the things that had been promised, but they saw them in the far distance and welcomed them, recognizing that they were only strangers and nomads on earth. People who use such terms about themselves make it quite plain that they are in search of their real homeland. They can hardly have meant the country they came from, since they had the opportunity to go back to it. But in fact, they were longing for a better homeland, their heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, since he has founded the city for them. It was by faith that Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He offered to sacrifice his only son, even though the promises had been made to him, and he had been told, It is through Isaac that your name will be carried on. He was confident that God had the power even to raise the dead, and so, figuratively speaking, he was given back Isaac from the dead. The Word of the Lord Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Be watchful and ready. You know not when the Son of Man is coming. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, There is no need to be afraid, little flock, for it has pleased your Father to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Get yourselves purses that do not wear out, treasure that will not fail you, in heaven where no thief can reach it, and no moth destroy it. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See that you are dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like men waiting for their master to return from the wedding feast, ready to open the door as soon as he comes and knocks. Happy those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. I tell you solemnly, he will put on an apron. Sit them down at table and wait on them. It may be in the second watch he comes, or in the third. But happy those servants if he finds them ready. You may be quite sure of this, that if the householder had known at what hour the burglar would come, he would not have let anyone break through the wall of his house. You too must stand ready. Because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, do you mean this parable for us or for everyone? The Lord replied, What sort of steward then is faithful and wise enough for the master to place him over his household to give them their allowance of food at the proper time? Happy that servant if his master's arrival finds him at this employment. I tell you truly, he will place him over everything he owns. But as for the servant who says to himself, My master is taking his time coming, and sets about beating the men servants and the maids, and eating and drinking and getting drunk, his master will come on a day he does not expect, and at an hour he does not know. The master will cut him off, and send him to the same fate as the unfaithful. The servant who knows what his master wants, but has not even started to carry out those wishes, will receive very many strokes of the lash. 
the one who did not know, but deserves to be beaten for what he has done, will receive fewer strokes. When a man has had a great deal given him, a great deal will be demanded of him. When a man has had a great deal given him on trust, even more will be expected of him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the Gospel we've just heard is a continuation from last week. If you remember the Gospel last week, the Lord told the parable about the man who had a rich harvest uh, and who builds bigger barns to contain the enormous amount of grain which he'd collected. Now, Jesus, interestingly, doesn't chastise the man for being wealthy. But he is sternly rebuked in the story for taking his foot off the accelerator. You see, this man says to himself, My soul, you have plenty of good things laid by for many years to come. Take things easy. Eat, drink, have a good time. And in the parable, God then calls the man a fool. This very night, the demand will be made for your soul. And where are your barns then? Can this man really impress God with the riches he stored up for himself? So last week's gospel was a clarion call to all of us to recheck our priorities. What's my highest priority? What is it that I'm shooting for ultimately? What's the goal in my life that when I achieve it will be the fulfillment and the accomplishment of my existence? Well, Jesus doesn't mince his words. The man in the parable chose as his highest aim in life something that was ultimately vain. Remember the book of Ecclesiastes last week? Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. He picked something that finally is empty. God's not impressed with the man's wealth. And God can't be bribed. And now that the man has left behind his barns and grain, what's he got? Well, this theme is continuing in today's gospel as we press on reading the 12th chapter in Luke's gospel. We're presented with four different pictures by Jesus. First, There's the image of the treasure in heaven. Store up your treasure where it can't be destroyed by death. Be different from the man in last week's gospel who put all his hope in wealth. Wealth that he's got to leave behind. Fool, remember? The second image today is the image of the servants who await their master's return and the happy servants who are found busy at the time of the arrival of the master. Did you notice that the master actually was the one who, when he arrived, put the apron on and served his servants? That's big. (laughs) The third image is the one of the burglar. If you knew you were going to be robbed, wouldn't you take every measure to prevent that from happening? And surely death is a thief. And then finally, 
we have the image of the unfaithful and the faithful stewards. And by the time this long gospel's finished, we've heard Jesus' admonition that those to whom much is given, much is expected. And after we've heard about the many strokes of the lash, (laughs) we might be left quaking in our boots. Perhaps we might look at God as some kind of tyrant ready to pounce, to catch us out, to pounce upon the lazy servants and to mete out punishment. Well, there's no question that this is a rather stern message that Jesus is giving us. But I think if we're to get the right interpretation of the text, we need to go back to the first lines that Jesus says to his disciples. He looks at them and he says this. There's no need to be afraid, little flock. For it has pleased your father to give you the kingdom. I love that. The Lord looks at his disciples and he knows exactly what they are. They're little. They're weak. They're puny. But the Father looks upon them with mercy and compassion. He looks upon his people with great tenderness and love, and he confers upon them something which is truly extraordinary. A kingdom. A kingdom for a little flock. The Father giving us the kingdom means that he's placing us under his reign. It's as if Jesus is telling his disciples, don't be afraid, little flock. The Father has picked you. He's gathered you together. He's chosen you as his people. You are under his rule. You are part of his reign. Don't be afraid, little flock. You've done nothing to deserve God's love, but he's chosen you nonetheless. This is who God is. He's the one who has freely given this great treasure. And there's no need for the little flock to be afraid because the father's not stingy. He doesn't make us work first and then repay us later. No, he gives his gifts lavishly. He's given us nothing less than the kingdom of God. He's conferred on us nothing less than his reign as king. Here's who God is. And before God... We need not be afraid, because he's our Lord. But what's the deal then? In a few short lines, Jesus tells his people not to be afraid, and then he begins to scare the pants off them with talk about lashes and demands. What's going on? The point here, I think, is another invitation from our Lord Jesus to consider our priorities. If we know that the Father has conferred his kingdom upon us, if we seek his kingdom first, if we live our lives each day aware that we are under the reign of God, that we are in his kingdom, that we have God as the Lord, then indeed we will be the ones to store up treasure in heaven. It's all there waiting for us. Christians who are distracted away from the gospel will be forgetful of the fact that the kingdom has been given to them. And they start acting selfishly, 
pursuing vanities that pass away. But the servants who faithfully await their master's return are the ones who aren't distracted. They stick to the task and aren't tempted to turn their attention toward what's less important. The house owner who's mindful will never be caught by surprise by the burglar. And remember these images of the servants. The master who comes home and waits on his servant in the third or the fourth watch of the night. And the master who finds his servant diligent at his work will prize this servant above everything else. If we get to the end of today's gospel thinking that God is lurking in the shadows, waiting for the moment when we're least expecting to pounce on us and catch us out, then we need to return to the first key to interpret the text. There's no need to be afraid, little flock, for it has pleased your Father to give you the kingdom. But at the same time, we need to take account of what Jesus tells us afterwards. Yes, God has conferred on you the kingdom, so rejoice and have no fear, but prize that kingdom. Prize God's reign over everything in your life. Don't imagine that God is one thing among many in your lives. No, he is your life. Don't imagine that being a member of the kingdom means you can become a servant of any other king or even establish ourselves as our own king. So again, this gospel calls us to examine our priorities. Is God really the Lord of my life? Have I placed myself under his rule? In which case, do I take seriously the commands which Christ has left us? The greatest commandment to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and my neighbour as myself. Jesus gives us a fair warning today, and that's that God will not play second fiddle. It's not so much that the father here is behaving like a petulant child who can't stand not being at the centre of attention. It's that Jesus knows that when God is not at the centre of the lives of his little flock, it means that something else has become the principal preoccupation of his disciples. And whatever that central preoccupation is, it's unworthy of taking the place that God should hold. And this will inevitably lead to a path of unhappiness. So don't have money as your ultimate aim, says Jesus. Don't be like the fool who built bigger barns thinking that this would be his security. The Father is your Lord and your treasure is him. Don't be like the unfaithful stewards who think that the pursuit of pleasure will bring them happiness. It only brings the lash It ends in hollowness and pain. None of these things are worthy of occupying the place of God. And when they do, we worship false idols. A faithful servant has the Father as his master and Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that we all need to abandon our lives and become monks and nuns. But it does mean 
that we must allow nothing else to occupy the centre of our hearts. Nothing else is worth it. So, there's no need to be afraid, little flock, for it has pleased your Father to give you the kingdom. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.